0: This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. You know, the whole idea behind a revolution is, is that there's a group of people who see some sort of injustice and see something that is is not right and say, you know what, we're going to stand up and we're going to live differently. We're going to do some things differently. And and at, when we began this church almost uh, four years ago, we're getting ready to have our four-year anniversary here coming up in September. And so, man, I'm a I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God is doing here. But when we started this church, we started it under the the, the idea that, man, we're gonna live under this value of loving God, loving people and showing it. We're gonna be all about love and and right in the middle of revolution, if you look in the middle of that word is the word love. And we really believe that the revolution that we need to start and we need to be a part of and that we need to, to push out for everybody to experience is a revolution of love, this loving God, that's a group of people that are just passionate about Seeking after God and the presence of God and knowing God as their Lord and their Savior and daily being dependent on Him and then loving people. It's it's taking all that knowledge and all that information that we've gained in relationship with God and saying, "Man, how do I apply this in life? And how do I how do I help show this to other people and and making that evident and making that real." And so, man, I'm really really stoked about that. And one of the cool things about being a couple of years old is that you know God has done some incredible things. Uh, in our church, we've seen... hundreds upon hundreds of people give their life to christ or come back to christ and and i get asked a lot from people that come in and just check us out that are checking out church our church as far as to go plant other churches and they always ask you this is, is like how do you help people grow what is the process that you have for discipleship and and i always look at them because everybody thinks that there's some like really really quick process for discipleship like you can just automatically grow in and let me just say this discipleship is not like a really get get Rich quick kind of scheme, or that's not like that. It's not like a a bag of instant microwave popcorn, you don't just pop it in for three minutes and all of a sudden you've arrived three minutes later and you're totally legit and you're all that and you don't have to grow anymore, you've arrived. That's not how discipleship works, it's a process. And so we've said from day one, it's about us coming and just doing the same things that we've always done. And that's, man, serving other people, it's giving, it's going out there and inviting other people into a relationship with Christ, is coming here and serving at church, is being involved in a local church. And if you'll do those things, man, you'll grow in your relationship with God. And and as I was thinking about what does that look like for, for, for church, I was thinking about, um, when I was growing up, man, I was a huge workout guy. I loved going to the gym. As you can tell, like, I don't really love it as much now. Um, but, uh, you know, how many of you guys out there are just like, you, like, the gym is like a second home to you. Like, like you want to go, it's basically the outside section. It's the center section. Y'all got to work on your gym aspect, okay? Like, the outside is like buff, and uh, I don't know what's going on on the inside. But, uh, you know, uh, that's probably a sermon all to itself. But I loved going to the gym. I would go to the gym every day, and, and I'd go somewhere between 7 a.m. and and noon every day I would go uh I mean I was hardcore I was seven days a week and and I would go there and and my goal in going to the gym is I want to go in get my workout done and peace out like I don't want to spend all day there like there's nothing fun about being around a whole bunch of other sweaty people and hanging out like that just doesn't sound like I don't want to go hug those people I don't want to spend I don't want to converse with you I want to get my workout done and go and so man I would go every day and 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 There was always that guy that was there at the gym. Everybody knows if you go to the gym, there's always that guy that's there. The guy that's always there who who you've never actually seen get on a machine and work out, but he's talking to everybody. Everybody that's at a gym, they're like, yeah, I can picture him right now. In fact, he's sitting right over there. No, I mean, you know, there's, there's always that guy that's just he's just there. He's like walking around and like, he's talking game, man. I was, you know, doing some curls and he's telling somebody that's doing curls about how he did curls. And then he'll be over at the, at the, the squat rack and he'll be like, yeah, you, you know, you're not getting low enough. You need, you need to get some burn in that and get down. You know, he's like, you know, you need to, and he's like telling other people how to do it. And like, I went to this gym for three years and like, I got in really good shape in those three years. I mean, I was, I was doing well, uh, and all that and then I looked at him three years later who was there every day, didn't matter what hour of the day I went, he was there, he was still a fat tub of goo. Like nothing had changed, like he just went to the gym and I started thinking about that for for our walk with God And, and a lot of times, a lot of us are like that guy at the gym we think that if we just keep showing up at church, something's going to change. You know, like that that church attendance is going to change us. Like going to the gym and just hanging out is going to change you. And, and, and church attendance is good, but church attendance doesn't transform anybody's life. That isn't necessarily where discipleship happens. And, and I've come to realize that there's a big difference between attending church and following God. There's a lot of people in this world that attend church on a weekly basis but aren't truly following God with their whole heart, soul, mind, strength, and spirit. I mean, they're not giving God everything. And what happens for a lot of us is, is, is life happens. I mean, that's, that's where most of us are. Most of us, what happens is, is people, you know, they're going through life and life, life is difficult. I mean, how many of y'all can relate? Life is difficult. We've all gone through some hard times. We've all gone through some difficulties. I'm sure if we took a mic and passed it around here and we said, just tell your story, man. You could tell us some ridiculous things that have happened in your life and people would be like, no way. I, I like, I cannot believe you've gone through that. And you'd and and, and we would just be absolutely amazed. And what happens is, is we come to church and we hear some guy get up and talk. And uh, you know, if it's me, it's a really good message. Somebody else is probably not that good, and uh, you know, just kidding. Um Thanks, Bones. <laughs> it's like a comedy club in here. I don't know what the deal is. Got hecklers and everything. And so yeah. You know, you hear these messages, and you, you look at your life, and you're like, man, I've gone through a lot of difficulties. I've gone through a lot of hard times, and you keep hearing about this this guy who came and lived his life here on earth, lived, lived a perfect life. I mean, if that's even possible, I mean, come on, really? I mean, is that possible? And this guy... He's he's actually the son of God. I mean that's that's pretty incredible. I mean that's a pretty cool story. That kind of sounds fairy tale, but I mean there's a lot of statistical evidence that says that this dude really lived. So you know there's a book. It's still the best-selling book on New York Times if they were to actually put it on there. So I mean there must be something to this. And and you hear about that and how he wants to take away your sin and how you can how you can not go to hell and go to heaven. You think man that's a man that's a great thing. And so what you do is, is, is you accept Christ as your savior. And, and if you're a lot like me, you know, I accepted Christ and, and I don't know about you, but I had a, I had a pretty difficult life growing up. You know, I grew up in a broken home. Um, You know, my parents got divorced at a very, very young age. Uh, And while I was at that age, you know, by the time I was seven years old, I lived most of my life in bars because my parents owned bars and restaurants. And, uh, and I'd seen uh, my dad snort coke. I'd seen my parents throwing drug parties. I- I'd been in an alcoholic environment. And, you know, and. And growing up in bars, you see a lot of things that you should probably never see as a child. And and I'd seen all this, and that that was pretty tragic. And then later on in life, I became an alcoholic myself, and and that was pretty bad. And, and so when I heard about Christ, and and I realized, man, that I can have this thing that would, that would save me, you know, instead of continuing to walk the balance beam of life, knowing that there's going to be hard times and there's going to be difficulties, I said, man, that's awesome. Like, Christ is going to give me this firm foundation. He's going to give me some secure footing, because that's what God's says he'll do in your life he'll give you this secure firm footing and so I said man I'm going to accept Christ and instead of continuing to walk instead what I did is I said man you know what Jesus is awesome Jesus is cool I'm going to accept Jesus I'm going to get a little bit more comfortable with Jesus and 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 I'm 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 going to I'm going to get I'm going to get to a little bit more secure spot, you know, cuz this is kind of rocky. In fact, this is a little dangerous right here. I could probably rock over. And so, I'm going to I'm going to go down and I'm just going to live a secure life. I'm just going to hold on here. For the rest of my life, I'm just going to grab hold of this, uh, you know, because of the my lifestyle in the past. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna eat at Applebee's for the rest of my life because nothing bad happens at Applebee's, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send my kids to Christian school because I don't want them to go to go to a school like Monarch where people are there and uh, and. And 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 I'm gonna go to church every time the doors open because then I won't have to talk to people that don't know about God. that might get me off the wrong path. And I'm only gonna drink apple juice because everything else is bad. I'm gonna hang out. And I'm a I'm a I'm, a, I'm just gonna stay here until I die. I'm going to hold on as tight as I can, and, and, and death's going to come at some point and And when that day comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slowly, slowly get off. And <laughs> <laughs> I did it, Jesus. Where's my medal? I made it. I didn't fall yeah perfect 10 right there (laughs) Gabby Douglas ain't got nothing on me and we think God's gonna be like well done good job you you killed it didn't you like you held on there really tight that was that was great I mean if you saw anybody at the past Olympics do that you'd be like get the heck off the balance beam. I mean come on. Like we got we got people that are really going to do this. But yet so many of us man we're just grabbing hold and hanging on here thinking that this is all that there is to life. Is I'm just I've got the hope of salvation and I'm just going to hold on to it and then I'm going to die. And God hasn't called us to live this safe life, but yet so many of us, we've given up living life just to grab hold and grab on. Some of us haven't even haven't even grabbed on. We're just trying to figure out what the heck we're even how we even get on the balance beam. And I think a lot of us we we grab hold of this balance beam. We we grab hold of it because of some different reasons. Some, some of us, it's our past experiences. Man, we've messed up pretty bad. Maybe you've had an upbringing like I did. Uh, my parents ended up going to federal prison. Um, you know, I've, I've had all kinds of crazy things happen in my life. And, you know, I can say I've, I've had a really, really interesting upbringing. And, you know, that that's given me some odd perspective on life. Most of it's jacked up because that's all I saw. That's all I knew. And so I think, man, I, well, I don't want to end up in prison. I don't want to be a drug addict I don't want to be an alcoholic and so like man I'm just gonna hold on and I'm not gonna do anything for others of you man this is this is just a comfortable spot like you've just become complacent because the life you're living right now just isn't that bad I mean every once in a while you might wobble a little bit you might need to steady yourself but I mean you know you make a decent income and you know your kids are somewhat sane I mean they're not on every Medication that's out there, and like your wife, you talk once a week. It's good. And so you think, man, I just I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just gonna, I just want to keep this the stable, flatlined life, static. Other of you, you're just terrified to to move. Maybe it's a a fear that's in your life. Maybe it's a fear of failure. You're just like. Man, you failed earlier in life and you're like, man, there's no way I will ever want to fail again. Man, I failed in my business and there's no way I could ever try to start another one again because, I, I mean, I just couldn't ever take that chance again. And so you've, you've chanced yourself out of some opportunities that are out there for you because you're afraid, because you're holding on to the beam. This is what I know that God didn't call you and I to lay down on the beam of life. God called us to live the beam of life. And he doesn't care if we fall down. He doesn't care if we fall off. He doesn't care if we mess up our dismount. He'd rather that we try than we don't do anything at all. Because this is what I know about God. God said that we're, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. But a lot of us, man, we're letting every single thing prevail against us. Because we're scared and we're afraid and we're complacent and we're worried about the past rather than focusing on the future of what God has for us. And I believe that today, God is calling us to live a different way. And one of the values that we have here is that healthy things grow. One of the values that we have here as a church is that healthy things grow in life. People that are healthy, you know what's happening in their life? They're growing. You know what happens if you're not healthy? You don't grow. And when we become static in life, when we become stable in life, you know what? We're not challenging ourselves to fulfill the thing that God has called us to do, and that is to grow in a relationship with him. You know, one of the things I discovered when I was working out is that if there was never any struggle in my workout, I was never building any strength. Some of you guys, you, you've, you've been trying to get rid of the struggle of life. You've been trying to get rid of the ups and downs and arounds and trying to just eliminate all those things and say, man, I just want safety when there's nothing in this world that has called you to live a safe life. God has called us to live a healthy life, and a healthy life means that you and I, if we're going to really see ourselves become healthy and we're going to really see ourselves grow, we're going to have to do some things different in life. We're going to have to live a life a little bit different because your life doesn't get better by chance. Your life gets better by change. And some of you guys need to hear that today because you're, you're hoping like oh, oh someday life's going to be different. Like a lot of us have great intentions to have a better life. Anybody out there have a great intention to have a better life? Am I the only one? I mean, I, like, I intend to have, like, man, I, it's freaking dominant. I'm like, I, like, what? You know, baller status. I mean, all that. Like, in my mind, I'm living that, like, I intend to have that life. But am I willing to put in the change to have that life? Because a lot of us have great intentions, but intentions don't ever lead us anywhere. You know what does. Action does. Change leads us to living a different life. And if you and I want to live the life that God intends for us to live, then we got to understand that growing people change. And this is what I know is that if you're not growing, then you are not following Christ. Because this is what I know. If you're following Christ, you can't help but be changed. Because if you're following Christ, man, you're spending time with God, you're interacting with him, you're recognizing that, man, he's changing you. Every action that you have, every thought that you have, every uh, idea that's going through your mind, all of a sudden is being filtered through the eyes of Jesus, filtered through the eyes of God's word. And all of a sudden, everything that you're doing is changing. But if you're not changing, you're probably not growing. And if you're not growing, then you're probably not truly following after Jesus. So you can't be following Jesus and not growing. One of my favorite guys in the Bible is a is a guy named Paul. If you were to to rank like a top five Christians of all time or a top three Christians of all time, you know, uh, there's there's a couple of guys that would definitely be on that list. One of those, of course, is Jesus. I mean, he's gonna he's number one on the list of how do you be like Jesus? You just be Jesus. I mean, that's that's pretty simple. Uh, you know, probably number two on that list would be Billy Graham. We'd all admit that Billy Graham's pretty dominant. I mean, he's A bajillion years old now. He's never sinned except for maybe when he was younger. And, uh, you know, he's still winning hundreds of thousands of millions of people to Christ, even at the age of bazillion. And then... uh and then there's a guy named Paul who was who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, started the majority of the churches outside of Jerusalem, I mean, was pretty, pretty dominant when it comes to Christian standards, I mean, was very influential on the first church, is still influencing us today. A lot of times we read verses uh, that he wrote to other churches, and we're going to look at one today, and this is in Philippians chapter 3, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bible. Uh, man, we're going to be going through a ton of Bible today, and you can follow along in your Bible, maybe if you did sword drills as a kid, but for the rest of you all, you you could just look at your worship God, or take a look at the screen. But this is what Paul says, um, and he's talking to the church in Philippi, and this is what he says to them. I mean, this is like the ultimate Christian guy. I mean, he wrote the majority of the stuff that we're reading today. It says he was a Hebrew among Hebrews. He knew all of the Old Testament. He knew all of the Torah. I mean, he was pretty impressive, and this is what he says. He says, I want to know Christ. Like I read that the other week, and that just blew my mind. Here's a guy who had a physical encounter with Jesus. Jesus like appeared to him on a road and said, "Dude, what's up? Why you keep killing people and for for again, that are for me and you're against me?" And he's like, "Oh my gosh!" And just radically changed and had this conversion to follow Christ. And and he's going and he's teaching all these churches, he's planting all these churches. And even in the midst of that, his statement that he says that he says to them is he says, "Listen." It, I want to know Christ. Man, I haven't arrived in my relationship with God. Like, I'm still hungry for God. I still haven't got it all figured out. Man, I want more of God. He says yes to know the power of his resurrection. Like, everybody likes the idea of having power. Like, that's a cool statement. And he goes on. And to participate in his sufferings. Not particularly my favorite verse. Like, anybody pray to suffer this morning? Like, not a popular prayer. He says, but man, I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I also want to participate in his sufferings. Let me just tell you something. The degree that you're willing to face discomfort in life is the degree to which you're willing to grow and change. If you're not willing to ever face some discomfort, if you're not ever willing to face some sufferings, if you're not willing to ever be persecuted a little bit in what your belief system is, without any struggle, there is no strength. He says, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection for the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And what he's saying there is he's saying, listen, listen, I've done all this stuff. Like if you can name something, like I've done a lot of awesome things, but none of that stuff matters. It's not like I've already arrived just because of what I did yesterday does not mean I've arrived today. And a lot of us, we get stuck in this spot because we did something awesome yesterday. Like, man, we we stepped out and served somebody. Maybe you went to call your city yesterday, and you were you were helping. You were doing Adopt-a-Block. Maybe you were giving away some stuff. You were playing with kids. You were fixing some, some felt needs within the community. You're like, man, I did something. I know some of you guys water baptized some people, and that's awesome. I mean, that's like a win for the kingdom of heaven. People are publicly professing their faith. Those are all awesome things. And Paul would say, that's great that you did that yesterday, but we haven't arrived because we've done that. Like, I'm not satisfied with what happened yesterday, man. I still, I want to know Christ. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, he says, it doesn't matter what I've done because I press on. And the goal that I have, the goal, the prize that I have is to know Christ Jesus. Because it starts out with, I want to know Christ. That's the goal. Here's a guy who had it all going on that we would say is like the ultimate Christ follower. And he's saying, man, even though people would look at me and say that and say I've achieved all this and done all that, that's still not where I'm satisfied at. A lot of us get stuck in the fact that we have this baseline of stuff, of knowledge and information. We say, oh, man, I'm good. I'm comfortable. I'm all set. And Paul would say, no. No, the ultimate goal is that you would know Christ. That he would continue to be the passion in your life. That he would continue to be the, the ultimate, not in what you accomplish, but in who you know. Because Paul understood this principle that healthy things and healthy people grow. And if you're growing, then you're changing. And so what are some of the practices that you and I can put in our lives to grow, to be healthy people who are growing in their relationship with God. And today that's what I want to talk about. I, I there's lots of things that I could have talked about, but I but I narrowed it down to to five things that I think are are pretty um, if you'll do these things on a on a, a, a consistent basis in your life, you cannot help but be growing in your relationship. And when I look at people that are really growing in the relationship with God, 99.9% of them are doing these things consistently in their lives. And so I said, man, if if this is if this is the 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 steps in a sense of, of how you have a healthy life, or these are consistent things that people are doing that have healthy lives, that maybe it's something that all of us should be practicing. And the first one is this, we gotta read our Bible. We gotta read our Bible. to One of the things that's so amazing to me is that, is that people tell me all the time, man, I wanna hear the voice of God, but we'll never open up his word to get to know him. We wanna hear God, but we won't ever look at what he's already said. Hello. One of, one of the guys that I, that I love to read, his name is Robert Morris. He says this, the greatest foundation for hearing the voice of God is knowing the word of God. You know, and people come up with all kinds of excuses all the time. They, you know, they'll be like, well, I just, I just don't have time, especially dudes. Dudes are, are big on this. Like, I, I just don't have time, but you just watch Sports Center for three hours. Seriously, it was the same show over and over and over again. Like, they didn't say anything new. There was no breaking news. A-Rod's gonna get suspended. Okay, we already already all know that. We don't have to watch it 17 times. Like, we come up with all these excuses as to, to why we can't rather than, man, what does God wanna do? And the reason we read God's word isn't to go get direction for our lives. I know a lot of people think that. Like, I'm gonna read God's word and it's gonna bring direction for our lives. No, we read God's word so we can get to know who God is. Because this is what I know about you. You'll never do what God's called you to do if you don't know who God is. Because the thing that he's going to ask you to do in your life is to step out into something so much bigger than you can think or imagine. And if you don't know who's backing you up and the character of the person who's backing you up and the person who's asking you to do that, there's no way in the world you're going to do it. Some of you are going, God, just just speak to me. How about you just go speak to God? How about you just get in God's word and say, God, what have you already said to me? And so we need to, to practice daily reading our Bible. And, and I'm not talking about, like, just open it up and just, just close your eyes and pick a scripture. Judas hung himself. Well, that sucks. <laughs> Go and do likewise. Oh, man, that's a bad. You know, that's not, like, that never works. God, who should I marry? You know, and you're like, Ooh. Michelda, I don't know who she is, you know. But, I mean, that's what we think. We think we can just open this up. And what we need is we need to get on a plan. We need to recognize that, man, God wants to reveal himself to us through his word. Psalms 119:105 105 says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. It's, it's pretty interesting. People read this verse all the time. And it, it says it's the word is a lamp and a light. Now, when you read that, is it giving us direction right there? No. It's not giving us direction. What it's doing is it's giving us focus on who God is. You know what God is? God is a light and a lamp. That means he brings light into dark places. It isn't telling us to go somewhere. It's telling us that's who God is. He wants to expose things in our lives that aren't supposed to be there so we can get clean, so we can get whole, so we can eventually know who he is and how much he loves us so we can do what he's called us to do. But we can't do what he's called us to do until we know him. It's one of the reasons why we give you those devotionals all the time. They're probably sitting out of the information table. There's a daily reading plan in there. It's something for you to read every day and look up some scripture and get to know the character of God. Because we got to know who God is if we're going to fully give our whole lives and not just lay down on this but live for him. And so we need to read our Bible. If we're going to be growing in our relationship with God, man, I don't know of a person who is consistently growing in the relationship with Christ that doesn't practice daily Bible reading in their life. Second thing is confession and repentance. And I, I know that this isn't a popular subject in church anymore. You know, confession and repentance. It sounds like going back in the old school Catholic days. I grew up Catholic, so I, I understand what that's like. You you had to go and confess to a priest and and repent and say 475 Hail Marys and all that stuff. And and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that all of us have some junk in our lives. All of us have some places where we have missed the mark. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark in life, and we've all missed the mark in life. And we need to get rid of that stuff out of our lives so that. We can be whole and well. In fact, James 5, 16 says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But before that, it says, if any of you is not well, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Huh. So there's something really powerful that happens when we tell people what's going on in our lives. But nobody really likes to talk about where they fail. It's not really an aspect of our society that's, that's highlighted and encouraged. In fact, we're, we're told to hide our insecurities. We're told to hide our shortcomings. We're told to hide all of those things. But it's at our greatest weaknesses where God's greatest strength comes in. And some of us are missing out on God's greatest strength because we've been focusing on and trying to keep those things hidden from other people. And here's what happens for a lot of people is, is you walk in to a church or you walk into you know, a synagogue or you walk into uh, uh, some place where they're doing some sort of worship service and, and you think that following Christ is all about a whole bunch of rules and regulations. You've got to do this. You've got to got to do this. You got to do this you got to do this you got to do this you can not do that. You can't do that. It's more you can't do's than you can do's. Uh, if you ever saw the rule book um, you know, of, of church, Um, we don't know where those are at our church. They're not in the seat backs here, so you don't have to worry about that. But um, what happens is we get this idea that it's all about you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Like you're not allowed, you're not allowed, you're not allowed. Like don't drink, don't smoke, don't don't talk to anybody of the opposite sex, you know, don't do anything. And let me just say this, and, and this is my... Sincere belief. God could really give a crap about your actions. I know that's going to mess up some of y'all's theology. What God cares about is why you took those actions. See, Jesus isn't about behaving your, 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 your behavior being modified in life, because that's what a lot of us think Christianity is. I'm just going modify, to modify my behavior and become good. I got to be good, 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 I got to be good. Jesus could care less whether you're good. He wants to know what's up with your heart. Jesus isn't after your behavior, he is after your heart because what's going on in your heart is causing every act of behavior that you have. And he knows that if if we can get to the heart of the issue, then the behavior is gonna automatically change. And a lot of us are going at it backwards thinking, man, I gotta get all this stuff together in my life. Man, I gotta get all this stuff figured out and I gotta put it all in the right arrangement and then I'll be good enough for God. And God's like, I could care less about that. Let's just come deal with your heart and we'll worry about that stuff later. And today, some of you guys got to recognize that, man, Jesus is here, and he's saying, man, I just want your heart. I want your heart. What's going on in your heart? And one of the things you can count on, no matter what, is that Jesus is coming after your heart. Ezekiel 14, 1 through 5 says this, some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me, and it would be like the equivalent of of us coming to church because the, the people would come before the prophet, and the prophet would give a word, and, um, it says, then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts. Jesus is after your heart, not your behavior. Then the word, it says, and, the, and it put the wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? This is God talking. Therefore, speak to them and tell them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces, and then go to a prophet. I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people. See, see a pattern that's happening? Jesus is after their heart, not their behavior. He says, who have all deserted me for their idols. Here's the translation of this, this verse in a nutshell. If there's an idol in your heart, if there's something that is the ultimate in your life beyond God, that's what an idol is. It's making anything other than God your ultimate. If that, if there is something in your life that is your ultimate, anytime you show up at church, you know what you're going to hear about? You're going to hear about that idol. And I can promise you, it doesn't matter what church you go to. And I'll just talk about this church because it's the church that I know. If you come here and I I hear it, I hear it from people. They'll say, man, every time I go to Coastal, man, all TJ is ever talking about is sleeping with your boyfriend. You want to know why? Probably because you're sleeping with your boyfriend. That's your idol. You know, I'll hear people, all TJ ever talks about, all they ever talk about at Coastal is money. You want to know why? Because money's your idol. Man, all they all they ever want from me is they want me to serve, but they keep talking about calling your city and serving out on outreaches and, and coming here early to set up at like five in the morning. They're smoking crack. There's no way in the world that I would do that. Like, and and you hear that and, and you say that, you want to know why you keep hearing that? Because your time is your idol. And here's what happens. It doesn't matter where you go. Anytime somebody comes and they put a finger into a wound, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna scream about that thing. And you're gonna scream that that church is just going after your stuff and talking about your stuff. And that's all that they're focusing on. You wanna know why? Because God said, man, that's all you're gonna hear. And so my question to you today is, is what is in your life between you and Jesus right now that you need to confess and repent of to God and maybe some other people? What is the thing that's standing between you and Jesus right now that you're saying, like, this is currently my ultimate, but I'm not ready to give that up yet. I'm not ready to release that thing out of my life. I'm not ready to let go of those things. And some of you guys are holding on to some things, and you've had some tragic things happen in your life. And you say, man, I I couldn't ever let anybody know about that. Man, I've got to keep that to myself. Listen, you want to be healed? Some of you guys have been seeking healing from stuff for a long time. You've been trying to internalize it, thinking that it'll just go away. You know what it won't do? It won't just go away. It doesn't just go away. You're living it and you know it. You know what does make it go away? Confession and repentance. Listen, you can't keep following, let me say this to somebody else. You can't keep following Jesus and be a butthole. You can't because if you're following Jesus and you're practicing confession and repentance, you're being changed right now and you're going to stop being a jerk and you're going to stop having attitude and you're going to stop being biased and you're going to stop doing all that garbage you've been doing your entire life and you're going to let that stuff go if you're truly confessing and repenting. Some of you guys today, you're holding on to some things in your heart that you need to let go of. Third thing, Giving. Come on, somebody get excited. Woo, giving. Yeah, I figured there'd be a lot of amens and woohoo's right there. Like nobody ever gets excited about that. I don't know why. Like I love to give, man. I, I look for opportunities. I love giving. Anyways, um, anybody out there ready for college football? Is anybody else? <laughs> like I love college football. I'm, I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. Anybody Notre Dame fan? Sooners, we stomped you this past year, so uh, you guys can't even talk right now. What's up, Stock? It's nice seeing you there. Please don't hurt me afterwards. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. And this is what I know, is like, if you're a Notre Dame fan, and I'm hardcore, like, I love Notre Dame, baby! Fighting Irish is, where is that? Straight up! Come to my house on the Irish day, man, I'll, I'll throw down. Like, I'm Irish through through, you know what that means? I hate Miami. I hate Michigan. You want to know why? Because I'm an Irish fan. To say that they're fans of something, that they'll be like, man, I'm a a Notre Dame fan, and they'll be like, Purdue's playing somebody else that week, and they'll be like, but I'm going to root for Purdue. You ain't an Irish fan. Like, you hate everybody that they play if you're a fan of that. Can't stand Florida. Y'all can drown in your swamp. Florida State, man, we'll chop you down. I don't, whatever. Like, I'm an Irish fan. You know what? Jesus is a fan too. He has something to say about this. He is, he's, you want to, you can't pull for other teams. If you're a true fan, come on down. If you're a true fan, you don't pull for other teams, do you? No, you're, that's, your team is your team. That's it. There are no other teams. Every other team is dead to you. We don't we have a lot of fair weather fans here apparently. <laughs> Miami Heat fans, you y'all know what I'm saying? Anybody Miami Heat fan? Woo! Oh yeah, but we, we really like San Antonio. No, you hate them. <laughs> Jesus had something to say. Okay. Matthew 6, 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, man, what you treasure, that's where your heart's gonna be. So like I treasure Notre Dame, so my heart is there. I'm like, touch down Jesus, baby. Where is that? But it's also applying to something in our lives called giving. It's applying to our money. Jesus is saying, man, you you know what? Money is something that's really important. You can't say that you're truly a follower of Jesus if your money isn't following that path towards him. And people tell me all the time, well, well, TJ, you don't, you don't really understand because, you know, I don't really believe tithes and offerings are, are, you know, that's something I need to do. Well, you know what? That's cool, but the only problem with that is the Bible. Okay, continuing on. We'll talk about that more in a different week. Verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know what that means? That means, you know what, I can't serve, I can't be a Notre Dame fan and like any other team. And Jesus is saying, you know what, you're either on team God or if, if this was me writing this, I would have been like, you're either on team God or you're on team devil. That would make a lot more sense, wouldn't it? Like, rather than money, like, you're God and team devil. But he says, you know what? The devil isn't the number one competitor for your heart. You know what the number one competitor for your heart is? Your money. Your stuff. That's going to be the thing that's always going to try to draw you away. This is what I know. If you haven't faithfully learned how to give to God, you haven't faithfully learned how to follow God. Because giving doesn't show what or how much you possess. Giving shows what possesses you. It shows what possesses you. Does your stuff on you or is God first and foremost in your life? And this is, this is where God lays it all out and he says, listen, you're the most important thing to me. This is why in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only son. God doesn't know us anything and gives us everything. That's what giving does. And we're not called to be takers in this life. We're called to be givers. And people that are fully growing in their relationship with God and are, are being changed in their relationship with God, I can always point and tell you that they're a giver. Fourth thing, sharing Christ. Man, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you've got to share your faith. Sharing your faith will grow. In Philemon, uh, verse 6, because there's only one chapter in the book, it says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ Christ. What Paul was saying there is he's writing this book and he's saying, man, like the sharing of your faith, this is something that is not something we say, like that's a good idea to do. It's something that we do. And he says, this is the thing, man. If you share your faith, it'll totally transform your life. It'll totally transform your relationship with God, man. It'll help you to become full in that thing. You'll understand the full knowledge of all the good things that God has done in your life. And the reason most people don't share their faith with other people is because they don't fully understand what God has done for them. But if we were to look back on our lives and we were to look at our story, because all of us have a story in here. There's not a single one of us that doesn't have a story to tell. And if you were to look back and you were to see the pit that you were in, the, the hardships that you were going through, the heartbreak that you were facing, maybe the addiction that you were in, maybe the, the brokenness that you were facing, and you remember how you felt in those moments and how God delivered you out of those things, when you start to recognize what God has done in your life, you can't help but shout that down from the mountains. You can't help it. When you recognize all that God has brought you through and how he's redeemed you and how he's restored you and how he's lifted you up, you can't help but be like, yo, bro, you gotta hear about this dude named Jesus. You get fired up about it because he's done something in your life and you're like, you know, I want everybody to know about this. I heard Penn Gillette, who's one of the biggest atheists in the world. He's, uh, he does a big show in Vegas uh, with Penn and Teller. Is, they're together and And he said this, a guy walked up and gave him a Bible after a show and just said, man, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And uh, he went afterwards onto his blog. Uh, He does like a video blog on the internet. and You can go look it up. And and he said this, he said, the thing that I hate most about uh, Christians is that they say that they have the hope of the world, but they don't tell anybody. Like this is one of the most sincerest guys. And the reason why I'm so blown away by him because he came up and he told me a story and he just loved me and he tried to give me hope. And he said this, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about the hope of the world? And I hate to use a negative thing, but that just blew my mind. Here's a guy who doesn't even believe in Jesus that says, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about the hope that you found? Like if you found a good sale at Marshall's, you tell everybody. Ladies. Oh, girl, I got these shoes over there. They're on sale for $6.99. You gotta go. Like you'll tell everybody about that, but you won't tell about somebody that redeemed your life from the pit. What's up with that? Man, you wanna grow in your faith, start to discover what God has done for you so you can tell others your story. Fifth thing serving. In, uh, in church, um, pastors go through this thing every Monday, for the most part, um, called the holy hangover. Um, it's kind of like a normal hangover, if you've ever drank, which I have, you know, if you drank a beer or 12. Um, you wake up the next day, and um, you're, you're always trying to remember, where did it go wrong last night? Um, and, and people that have drank or have have had a holy hangover um, know exactly what that's like. You're like, man, how did I end up there? Like, at what point did that go bad last night? At what point did I make that decision that made me end up there? Like, I go and relive those things. Well, I do the same thing with messages. Like, I, I have the tendency to be offensive to a lot of people, um, and and so I say things that. Like I get in trouble last week in the first service, you guys didn't get to hear it because you're in second service. You guys are really smart. We kind of work out some of the kinks in that first service. Like I said a whole bunch of things that they, like they came to me and said, listen, you you're not allowed to say those. Like those those are mean things. Like you don't don't do that next service. And so like I'm I'm reliving that every Monday, like, oh man, people aren't gonna come back to church. They hate our church. Like I totally made them go and sin and they like I just I just go through that and and usually what happens is I get emails and phone calls and if people don't want to email me they email Shayla like they think that's more effective um, to email her she just gets mad um, and so and so you know in fact I can remember this one time I was I was literally there's a scripture in the Bible um, and for some reason this was really offensive to some people um, that says our, our righteousness, the things that we, the good things that we do in life to God, they're like filthy rags. And I was, the Greek interpretation of that is literally, it's like, it's like a woman who's, uh, cycling, uh, not riding a bike, um, (laughs) uses a tampon and throws it away. Um, so it's like a dirty tampon. That's what I said. I said, it's like a dirty tampon. Um. You're you're the best thing that you can do is like a dirty tampon to God, okay? And so like, I'm married. That's gross. Um, well, this person. Um they emailed us in, or this family. They emailed us in. They said, "Man, I cannot believe uh, a pastor would use that kind of language." And I, like for the first time, usually it's like I cussed or something, or I said sucks or you freaking or one of those words. Those are the words that I get in trouble for. Like I, there's, we keep a list, and so um, like I just I just hit a whole bunch of them. So um, and so like those like we're trying to work on those. Uh, but that one, I was like, that was straight Bible. Like like what's up with that? like I didn't like I didn't make that up. that was Jesus talking. don't get mad at me, yell at Jesus, you know stop going to his church I, but um so so uh, I, I, I go so how are you, I, you know, our response was like, how are you involved at church? you know and you, because there's let me just tell you this like you email me uh, depends on your level of involvement by how much I take it okay I'm just <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm an honest guy. I like honesty. Like if and, and I said like, how involved are you guys? And they're like, oh, we're we're involved at in church. I was like, well, what does that mean? We come every Sunday. I said, so oh, so you're you're just a a a life sucker because um, all you do is you come here and just just take. You're a taker. You're not a contributor. You don't you don't add. You're not you're not involved. You're just an attender. And let me just say this: if you're here checking out christ or checking out our church or whatever man we're glad that you're here uh side note uh because this is not going really well as i'm picturing it in my head <laughs> uh you know if you're here just checking it out man we're glad that you're here we're so happy I'm, I'm not really talking to you right now you just hang out you can talk to your neighbor or something at the moment uh, like these are for people that are that are that call coastal their home right at the moment okay and and, and people that want to grow in their relation with god okay um and so I got you centered now. So I said, so I basically came to this conclusion. Attending church doesn't mean you're involved in church. Attending church doesn't make you a a Christ follower. No more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It just doesn't. I mean, like we think that like, man, I'm just going to come here and I'm going to show up. And, and then, you know, attendance doesn't equal involvement. Involvement means that we're active in our faith, that we're doing something with all that information that we're gaining in our relationship with God. Luke 22, 19 and 20 says this, and this is Jesus talking and. It says, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And I read those verses and I read about Jesus giving, his body being broken and his blood being shed. And and I I look at a God who sent his son to give all that on the cross. And, And I say that to say, like, how can we look at a God that was willing to sacrifice it all and say, man, we can't give an hour a week to Jesus. Like our lives are so busy and so full that, man, there's not enough time to give God anything to serve him and serve other people with it. And I don't really even care if that means here at church or out at Habitat for Humanity or some other, maybe a food shelter. I don't really care where it is, but where are you serving God? Because a lot of us, the excuses, when we get to heaven and we dismount, man, I hope those excuses are really good while we couldn't do anything because of the busyness of our schedule to say, oh God, you know, I know that you sacrificed it all, but I didn't give jack squat back to you. And as your pastor, man, I know something about your life. I know something about your life that you don't even know about your life yet. And that is that you will never fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for your life if you are not active in serving other people because the purpose and plan for your life involves serving other people. God isn't gonna make you wealthy so that you can just take nice vacation. He's making you wealthy so you can fund the kingdom of God. He isn't giving you a whole bunch of time so you can cruise the Mediterranean. He's giving you a whole bunch of time so you can go serve and help people in your spare time. Like God isn't giving you all of that stuff so you can just consume it and hoard it. He's giving it to you so you can give it away. Jesus said, I came to this earth not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to give it all. And if we're going to truly fulfill the purpose and the plan and the potential in our life, then we've got to give it all too. Then we've got to learn how to get outside of ourselves and serve some other people and recognize the potential that is within us. Man, and I'm, I'm a guy who goes out and serves all the time. I have no problem serving anything. I'll clean toilets. I'll do whatever. I love to serve because I know this, man, when I start serving other people, something happens inside of me. It's the weirdest thing how the kingdom of God works and some of the, the intricacies of it because you would think when you, when you give, if you were to go and give money, you would feel like you're deprived at the end of that. But when I go and give money, man, I feel like energized, like I just made a difference in somebody's life. And when I go serve people, I don't feel like, man, I just got drained. I feel energized because I feel like, man, I just empowered somebody in their purpose. And then all of a sudden, God does something inside of me that would have never happened. Man, people that are, I look around our church, and the people that are consistently growing the most in their relationship with God are the people that are consistently serving the most. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I look around and I, I see people out in the crowd and I'm like, man, man, they were out Saturday. They were out this day. They were doing this. I knew that they were at a soup kitchen earlier this week doing this. Like their life is not their own. It's an act of service. And they're typically the healthiest people that I know. And here's why they're the healthiest people that are out there, is because they've learned a secret that you'll never learn until you start serving other people. And that's this, is when you go and you empty yourself into other people's lives, you go say, man, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make myself available to do this thing for God. You empty yourself. And then this beautiful thing happens. When you're empty, God fills you back up. See, when you're full, he can't put anything back into you. The only way we empty ourselves is by giving ourselves away. This is the thing, man, I don't want something from you. I don't care where you serve. I want something for you. I want you to realize that, man, healthy people grow. And I don't care where you need to go to grow. I just want you to grow. That's my hope for you. My hope for our church is that we'll be fully devoted followers of Christ. That means that we're just like Paul. Man, that we're going, man, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, man. That is my ultimate goal for life. Let me just end with this. All of us want to get on the balance beam of life. Now we want to do the somersaults and the handsprings and the maybe pommel horse it, whatever it may be. This is what I've discovered about God. God does not direct his children, his kids, people that are fully devoted to him, to do the unusual things in life, to do the supernatural things, to do the, the extraordinary things in life until they show faithfulness in the ordinary things. Some of you guys, you're, you're longing for the big things, but the little things are not evident. And the big things don't become evident until the little things are in place. And I believe that God today is, is challenging some of us to step outside of our comfort zones. A lot of us have been laying down on, on, on the balance beam of life. We've just given up. We've just grabbed hold and said, man, we're just going to hold on. Some of us haven't even gotten on the balance beam. We haven't even recognized that there's this life with Christ. And maybe today you need to make a decision that's going to change your life forever. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.